Hello, America and parts unknown. Welcome back to Hotline Monday on Tuesday, the 11th of July, 2016, with Scott Johnson and Justin Robert Young. Hello. Yo, what up? What's up, man? What are you, you doing? doing man? Yeah, well, you know, just trying to keep it all together. Uh, we had to delay the show yesterday. It was my fault. I had a thing. Forgot all about. Got that thing happens. taken care of. It happens. Yeah. yeah. Health comes first. It always comes first. But I'll tell you this. Uh, Spider-Man happened. Uh, that came out over the weekend. I don't know who has it on the draft thing. Is it Tom? Does he have it? No. Uh, team Big and Tall. Padre and uh, Patrick. The, the the twit contingent. That's right. Uh, has it. That's right. And they, uh, they're they going to do pretty well with that movie. I don't know what the rest of their lineup looks like, but uh, seems like yeah, a strong one. I think one. it's going to be enough to overtake Tom. Tom, I think, has it on, on the basis of Wonder Woman overperforming. Hmm. Uh, but but it's gonna do it's gonna do really really well. I, I think it'll track ahead of Wonder Woman as a movie. But uh, I think the the real value in this film is everything that is to come mm. uh, with, with Marvel and Sony and Sony starting a new universe based on a good movie, which is always a, a good way to do it as opposed to uh, a movie like DC has tried to do it a couple times mm-hmm. uh, or a weird. Tom Cruise movie like uh, Universal's trying to do with their monsters. Yeah. No, that's true. This felt like the uh, whatever the magic needed to be, and it kind of was there. And you said on Twitter, boldly, I might add. Yeah. Best MCU movie ever. Do you still stand well, by that? I, I, I was I was a little weaselly. I, there were some weasel prints on that tweet. I said, did is it the best movie ever? So I think I, I phrased it more as a question, but I do think that it is in the conversation. When you when you boil down that flick, I, I think it has you know, four introductions to a character. Yeah. Nate me a better one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I actually kind of agree. I mean, I'm gonna put it in my top three for sure. How that all susses out is hard to say because I don't know really how I'm gonna order those, but it's up there with uh you know, not that everything in this world has to be ranked, but let's just say it's up there with Winter Soldier for me, which was one of my favorites, and Guardians one and two I kind of grouped together. Uh so top th- two, three, four in that range. And I didn't go in there expecting that at all. I went in there expecting to be at least a little disappointed or at least a little bit overhyped and underdelivered or Well, because we've been disappointed in Spider Man movies since Spider Man three. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and I liked the first Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, but at the same time, it was a lot of what watching this movie made me realize I really didn't like all that much. Mm. And and I. Uh, you, you want to know what this movie made me realize? You want to know what? I don't need another scene ever of anybody sewing a costume. <laughs> Or getting bit by a spider, for that matter. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, origins are origins, and and, and the fact that we've had this one rammed into our skull so many times, uh, I, I think is is reason enough to be like, you want to know what? If people don't know how Spider Man got to be Spider Man, then fine. You want to know what? There's Wikipedia. There's a million movies. They can watch all those movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Those still exist. We live in a persistent culture in which nothing really goes away. We're we're you know, uh, so used to, and I think something that, that the MCU in general has really taken to is like, we don't need to explain everything. Figure it out. We're going to reward the audience that pays attention and mm-hmm. we are going to make movies for them. 
which is a very comic book thing to do. Yep. Right. Like if anything, the little uh, 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 asterisks and like, please see fantastic flip flop number, uh, a special edition uh, <laughs> mega issue. Right. Yeah. Uh, those are for the next level of people who pay attention. Those are like biblical scholars, right? Who, who want to make sure that they know that there is this voluminous text that they can refer to. This Spider-Man movie was made for people that really like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And if you just wandered in and you have no idea who this wacky teen is and his, and his silly powers. Well, they're going to bank on the fact that this is a fun movie that you enjoy. You don't need to explain everything in every movie in a way that I think comic book movies have really fallen into that, uh, that, that trap. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think the, the, the idea that the reason the MCU has been successful up to this point is because they keep making genre films disguised as comic book movies or more like comic book movies disguised as those genre films, I think is a fair assessment of a lot of stuff. Winter Soldier, 70s spy thriller, uh, very, you know, uh, I don't know what you'd call your Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's your swashbuckling, you yeah, know, swashbuckling space, space adventure pirate. Kind sure, of thing. like that stuff, I think is true, and I think it's true here. Except what they made here was a John Hughes esque uh, teen uh, growing up having a hard time movie deal, and then wrapped it around in this like nice package of superhero. And by that I mean, I don't mean that it's like straight up, you know, Breakfast Club or freaking you know whatever pretty in pink or something but they it really felt like somebody writing this movie producing this movie making this movie understands 15 year old kids in a way that they haven't in previous spider-man movies one of the key components of spider-man has always been he's this kid and in his regular life he struggles he struggles socially he struggles with his family situation he struggles with girls like it's just hard for him and he's awkward and he's awkward out when he's fighting he sort of has to get used to it and the movies in the past have always focused on, oh, we got to get used to his web shooters. That's pretty funny. Yep, that's good. And, oh, he likes Mary Jane. How do you know? Well, he's making winky faces at her. And it's all surfacey. I don't know that a 15-year-old would buy it. They don't go, boy, they really get me. But like a John Hughes movie, this movie felt like it gets 15-year-olds. And it gets the idea of what it would be like to be a 15-year-old kid with this kind of power and, and and this kind of responsibility without actually even uttering the words with great power comes great responsibility, which is which is kind of awesome. They didn't even say it. Yeah. And instead showed it to us. Instead, they yeah. said, all right, kid, you're growing up. You're going through this stuff like any other kid. Plus, you're going through this whole other layer of stuff. We're going to Tony Stark by either by accident or on purpose is going to teach you what it means to have great power and therefore great responsibility. And it's going to take okay. you some time. I'll tell you what. You want to know what? I've actually been thinking a lot about this movie, and I got a few touchbacks when it comes to Tony Stark. But before we get into our spoiler discussion, let's uh, uh, let me blow your mind for a second. Mm. Do you know who one of the credited writers, one of the six credited writers on this film is? Scott Johnson. No. Uh, Hold on. You did not write Spider-Man Homecoming. No, but there is a one of the co-producers is Scott Johnson. He's not related to me. Um, Let's see. I'm going to guess co-written, right? Co-written? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... uh, you know how this thing works. Like somebody writes the first script and then they have somebody come in and punch up a rewrite. And then they have somebody come in after that and punch up a rewrite. And then they do rewrites or reshoot. Sure. They rewrite some stuff like that. But right. uh, one of, one of the six, uh, uh, I will not wait for your answer and tell you that it is John Francis Daly who played Sam Weir on freaks and geeks. 
Oh, he was also on uh, it's on other stuff since then. He was on Bones for a while as an actor on mm-hmm. Bones. Oh, that's interesting. And Boy. he primarily works as a comedy writer now. He did har- uh, Horrible Bosses, and uh, I think he did Horrible Bosses. Uh, I-, I know. Here, let me let me look up as an actor. Here he is, actor, writer. Uh, <clears throat> it looks like he's keeping... So he wrote, uh, yeah, Horrible Bosses 2 and Burt Wonderstone and uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Uh, sorry, Horrible Bosses 1 and 2. So, yeah, he's primarily a comic book writer, and, and a lot of the comedy really stands out in this movie. But uh, do, do you want to? Do we want to start getting into spoilers? Let's get into spoilers. Let's just rip it out, show it, flop it on the table, let everybody see it. Before we do right. that, though, I guess we should get some some plugs out of the way. Tell us about your yeah. Kickstarter. What's going on? Real quick, Kickstarter action news. We are uh, uh, just above 22 days to go. Uh, we're doing this cool thing, Scott. Uh, we mentioned it in the morning stream, but... Uh, I want to mention it again here, which is that every 15 backers, we're unlocking a new news card. Uh, the news cards are what you build your story around in the game. You combine those with sentence fragments. The winner gets to be the next anchor in the round, and they assign everybody else news stories. So the one that we are working toward now, we are nine away from, and this is pretty rad, I feel like, that we're talking about uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, the release of 1989's Batman starring Michael Keaton. Oh, what perfect timing. Yep. Uh, So you get uh, 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 to cover that story in the game. Should we get to 700 backers? We're nine away. And of course, Michael Keaton, I think, and here I'm going to say this before we even get into these spoilers, I think is the best villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do not disagree. I think he nailed it. I was so surprised by that. We'll talk more about why, but man... Well done, Michael freaking Keaton. And not just that, but the way he's written, we'll talk about it. Anyway. Yeah. All right, going. so there we go. Go ahead uh, on over to actionnewsgame.com. Uh, my new game. Go ahead. Go, 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 go. Go get it. Actionnewsgame.com. All right. Uh, I don't have anything to pimp, so I'll just say frogpants.com, and there's stuff happening, and I got some stuff coming up that I can't announce yet, so watch for that. All right, so spoilers if you don't want to hear them get out of here if you want to hear them great uh i am sci-fi is already here so we're gonna we're gonna start things by taking a a quick call from him ian are you there you're muted this happened to ian the other day on tms so maybe he's still got that problem hello ian you're muted my good man oh wait maybe i muted you hi ian oh hey yeah i can hear you now yeah that was me sorry my bad hey what's going Uh, on man what's happening in new york how you feeling it is humid as hell and about to rain, but other than that, I'm peachy. Oh, great. Well, that sounds good to me. I, uh, do, not, I do not miss New York summers yeah, at all. Yeah, they're bad. Zero, zero percent missing of any New York summer. Yeah, uh, it's bad. So is Chicago in the summer. But anyway, hey, so you saw Spider-Man, did you? I did see Spider-Man, yeah, and I've seen all the ones before this, and uh, it was nice to see for once. I mean, mind you, he was probably like 19 or 20 when he was filming this uh, whole damn thing, but it's nice to see a Spider-Man that actually looks like he's a teenager when Mm. he's supposed to be in high school. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. even though this kid's, what is he, 21? Yeah, Tom Holland is 21 years old. I guess when he filmed, when he he was probably 19 or so when they did the uh, Civil War stuff, but, you know, he's he's, uh, now, you know, he's a straight-up adult. The guy can drink legally here in the States. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's and he plays 15 like nobody's business. Like I never once yeah. went, oh, geez, it's like uh, who's the other guy? Andrew Garfield playing like a kid, but there's no way in hell he's in high school. That kind of feeling didn't happen with this guy. Well, yeah, and I think and, also. And, and, no, go ahead, jo- go ahead, Justin. You know, the other thing is that he has high school problems. Yeah. None of the other uh, uh, movies, they either quickly 
uh, uh, rush him right out of high school and 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 put him into twenty something college version, <laughs> or they give him they keep him in high school and they give him adult problems. How am I going to get money? How am I going to take care of my aunt? Like, uh, uh, there's just there's there's not a lot of fifteen in those conflicts. And what I love the most about this movie, well, many things I love the most, but one of the cool things about that is that they gave Spider-Man kid problems and they gave the vulture the adult problems mm-hmm. about how am I going to feed my family? Is it okay for me to take this this shortcut morally or legally? Uh, 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 what happens if I die? You know, what happens to the people that depend on me? Or am I bringing right. this kind of danger into their lives because I am doing what I am doing? In every other Spider-Man movie, these are Spider-Man's conflicts. In this one, it's can I go on my school field trip if it means giving up my internship? Like, <laughs> am I going to talk to this girl I like at the party? Uh, uh, now that I'm Spider-Man, am I going to get talked in by my goof nuts best friend to show it off so I can pick up chicks? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. And, and that's what was so refreshing about this is that by, by going off of Brian Michael Bendis' ultimate Spider-Man instead of the 27 issues. I, I, let me remind everybody of that. 27 issues of the original run of Amazing Spider-Man were devoted to high school. Yeah. That's how little Stan Lee cared about Spider-Man being in high school. But by going off of the later stuff in this run where they actually flesh out his entire run there, yeah. um, they, they, they really did a, a fantastic job with all that. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, they got that in a way that nobody else has got it. And again, I mean, finding out that, uh, uh, what's his name again? John Francis Daly helped write this thing. Uh, probably... That dude's had some experience with not only how to play and and do the whole awkward teenager trying to understand life as you're growing up in Freaks and Geeks, but, you know, he was kind of a nerd, like a huge yeah. nerd as a kid. So he understands this stuff. So that really, that actually kind of answers a lot of questions about how they kind of got to where they got. And it's good directing and it's good lots of other things and it's a team effort. But But there is some sauce in there that is definitely like, all right, you're playing the Ramones. <laughs> and it's he's late for school or he's got to talk to the principal or he's got all this other. I mean, I felt all the feelings I'm supposed to feel about my right. time in high school and how frustrating that was. And then to know that he can at any minute go out, shoot a bunch of webs, take down stuff or do the best he can and try to impress everybody who matters and and kind of be immature and not really know it yet. Like all those complex teenager things yeah. are here. And they're totally here, and they were not in any of the other ones. And I mean, all the way back to the Tobey Maguire bullshit, they just weren't there, and they're here now. And that, to me, is is all of it. So it did. It had this one really great effect for me. Uh, and and I know I'm jumping ahead plot wise, and and we can go back, but they totally caught me off guard and surprised me with something that in most movies I see coming miles away. Yes, and that was the daughter being the daughter or the girl he wants to date, the girl he's taking to homecoming ends up being the daughter of Michael Keaton's character. Yeah. Did not see it coming. Had no idea. On the one hand, I went, are you kidding me? This is like the biggest trope in the history of storytelling. Yeah. And I didn't see it coming. And now part of it is she's a African-American actress. He's not an African-American. Ah, uh, hid, hid behind your racism. Gotcha. A little bit, a little bit. Like, it it did occur to me that I was like, oh, well, that's because I saw him as white, I saw her as black, and it just never occurred to me that maybe he's married to a black lady or something, which he was. Well, the, 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 other, the other part of it, too, is that uh, they had different last names. Yeah, I mean, that's his, true. His last name was, was Toombs, and her last name was Alan. Yeah. So that, that definitely added to the surprise. And in the comics, they're definitely not related. 
So oh yeah, for sure. For anybody who's familiar with the comics wouldn't have wouldn't have seen this coming. I definitely didn't. Sure, sure. No, I didn't see it. Justin, did you know that was going to happen? I so didn't, and I will reveal this. One of the biggest poo-pooer of surprises in my life is my friend and and yours, Andrew Main. Yeah. He is so proficient at sniffing out the hooks in stories that he once spoiled inadvertently the uh, the, the the surprise of Super 8 the movie Super 8 oh. by looking at the poster <laughs> that's how good he is at sussing that crap out he uh, he took one look at he he watched the trailer and he looked at the poster and he's like the aliens in the water tower <laughs> <laughs> and we we know somebody that's involved in the production of that movie and he texted him he's like the aliens in the water tower huh and he's like what how did you know? Yeah. He's so good at it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't see it coming. And I was so excited for him to see the movie to see whether or not he saw it coming. Totally blindsided him. Here's the reason why you get Michael Keaton for this movie. For that scene, and more specifically the drive scene to Homecoming, that is why you pay Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton dollars. Yeah. Because he does that. He brings that kind of level of intensity and and just in the looks. In all those little looks in the rearview mirror where you are already getting the heightened tension of like, you know, uh, a protective old man with daughter on on the first big, you know, homecoming date. Uh, But also he's the vulture. He's figuring out that he's Spider-Man and he gets it and he nails it. And then he has that one little talk in the car. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. Yeah, it was really good. And I, I, again, I think you got to give some props to Tom Holland for being the other end of that. Sure. In a way that really amplified Michael Keaton's performance. I already expect these kinds of things in Michael Keaton. He's really good. Um, he's kind of always the same guy, but that thing he is is so good that it's already intense in there. But his reaction, his face, like genuine Fear, disappointment, confusion, shock. Like, I bought every expression Tom Holland made in the back of that car. And I thought that Tom was incredible. Tom a star. Yeah. Tom Holland is a star. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that this movie this movie sets him up. Yeah, I totally, me, uh, I totally agree. Go ahead. Let me, let me point out a couple things to you. Because another element of this script, and Marvel likes to pay attention to this kind of stuff. Did you catch the two touchbacks to the first Iron Man movie? Uh, all right. So let's. There's a lot of this kind of stuff in this movie. So let's see if I know two, two that I two two that I picked up that you picked up and saw. Okay, yeah. to the original 2008 Iron Man movie. To the 2008 Iron. Man. All right. One of them was was one of them a, a reference that uh, uh Happy made about 2008. <laughs> no, no, no. This okay. is more just a scene that happens in both movies, but they are different. They go that the, I think that they are uh, very specifically evocative of scenes from the original, uh, the 2008 Iron Man, but obviously Tom Holland kind of goes his own way. Uh, give me a hint. Was he suited up for these scenes or in... Uh... No, just going to tell you. Here, here, here are the two that I found. He's in the limo, yeah. right? Driving him back from the Civil War thing, yeah. beginning of the movie, and uh, you know has him do the little video for Aunt May. Right. And he gets he has some like lecherous comment. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's evocative of the scene in 2008's Iron Man when they're in the Humvee driving to the weapons test. And the young soldier is asking for a selfie with 
Tony Stark. So <laughs> now this is he's he's viewing him in that same way. How does the original Iron Man end? Uh, with him revealing who he is at a press conference. at a press conference. What is he leading Spider-Man to do at the very end of the movie? Reveal who he is at a press conference. <laughs> and Spider-Man says, says no, no, I don't want to do it. Well, this is, yeah, he he this, didn't know because because uh, that's the other thing. They're retro retconning this stuff, obviously. But in the MCU, a big, huge part of Civil War or in the comic anyway, in the Civil War comic, that was all about unmasking Spider-Man and getting Peter Parker to expose who he is. Well, uh, he was going to be the, the the poster child along with Tony Stark to to understand that there does need to be a registry and, and yada, yada, yada. Sure. But this case uh, was almost like a trick. He was almost getting tricked into it. Well, no, I think in, in this film, Iron Man's role, aside from just being a very helpful way to skip ahead on literally <laughs> all the like Spider-Man stuff where it's like, how does he get a cool suit? Iron Man. How does he have all this web stuff? Iron Man. Whatever. Uh, everything that you wonder, how does Iron Man? He just gives him all the stuff. Yada, yep. Yada, yada. yep. Let's skip ahead. Let's not deal with it. Right. Uh, but really, Iron Man's role is now Tony Stark's a man child. He's trying to now raise what he's never had, which is a son. Yeah. Right. He has, he feels paternal and yet he's still Iron Man. He's not going to automatically become a new person. So he tries to do what he always tries to do. Solve it like a machine. He's going to put all these restrictors on his, on his suit. He's going to watch him. He's going to make sure that happy's there. You know, he, he says like, you know, like, Oh, listen, I was looking out for you. I called the FBI. Why do you think the FBI was on the boat? And it's like, well, yeah, but you should have, told him like a, a, a like an actual nurturing caring adult <laughs> and so ultimately at the end of the film he sees him as no okay great you're a prodigy you're like me you're way ahead of your time you're brilliant you're courageous you know what's good for the world so now become me literally spider-man you should end your movie like i ended my movie uh, we're, we're all gonna live together and solve the world's problems Walk out there with your new suit and say you're part of the Avengers. Uh, and Iron Man or Spider-Man is not Iron Man. Peter Parker is not Tony Stark. And so he walks away in the opposite direction. They have that fun moment of like, this was a test, right? And, you know, yada, yada, yada. He's like, yeah, you passed. And then find then. Yeah. Then the camera shows all those reporters in there. He's really going to do it. The thing uh, is, I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually occurred to me that he avoided. I got the joke about, oh, this really was a press conference, and he really did set it up to do this. But it never, it never hit me exactly that, oh, this would have been Peter Parker as Peter Parker making an announcement to the press that he was joining the well, Avengers. And I don't know if it's necessarily him revealing himself, right? I, I think it would be more him just like going from a thing that's reported on in the media to. Hey, I'm Spider-Man. Ask me questions. I'm a real guy. I'm an Avenger. I'm going to solve the world's problems. So, so know me as a celebrity mm. uh, in, in a, in a totally different way. And also it would be about giving up his life. Yeah. He would, he, he wouldn't live in Queens anymore. He would live in upstate New York in in their own faux Avengers mansion. Right. And, yeah. and go on adventures like that. Uh, and he decides he needs to go back and, and, you know, take care of everything. And the cool trick of that was they made him, they gave him an origin story that's not really an origin origin story, but for a movie that, that kind of prides itself or at least us watching it, we pride ourselves on the fact that this didn't, this one didn't have to have a spider in a lab biting him and him figuring out, Whoa, I can climb walls and all that. We don't have to go through that again. It's like, super, yeah. it's like Batman's parents dying in the alley. We don't have to do it again. That's great. But they still gave us an origin story. That's about coming of age. That's about 
um, breaking through to whatever that next level is for this kid and having him figure out how to get there. And they evoke all sorts of imagery to do that. There's a scene, really intense scene, where he's covered in rubble after what's-his-name collapses all that stuff down on him. And he, he can't get out. It's really extremely effective. Made me claustrophobic and super nervous. I was It really worked for me. By and, the way, the closest uh, uh, imagery to 9-11, oh, uh, yeah. like in the really screwed up kind of way, uh, you know, both in the cleanup and in in that particular scene where it's somebody just trapped under rubble, which is, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, pretty uh, evocative and, for sure. It's it yeah. definitely that. And his performance was super strong in there and it made it even worse. And then him getting the courage and deciding what to do and how to do it to get out of there and what mattered to him, um, hearing Tony's voice, this sort of stuff, is totally ripped out of issue 33 of, of, the, of the Amazing Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man run. And then that imagery was used multiple times later, one time by Todd McFarlane, other times by other artists. But it was this scene of him being, you know, trapped by rubble and getting out. Now, why that gets used all the time and why it got used here again, I don't actually know. I don't understand why that scene is so iconic, but it's always seen as this moment where he figures himself out yeah, and, and gets out of there. And so even when I should look at that and go, oh, it's that cheesy thing they always do in the comics, or, oh, I can't believe the dad is the vulture. I didn't feel any of those pains. Like, I didn't go, ugh, guys, don't be so cheesy or don't be so tropey. That, that stuff happens when you don't care about the characters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But what matters here is that you like Spider-Man. And, like, yeah, he's kind of a dope at the beginning. And he's, uh, like, he's doing good, but he's also doing a lot of harm or enough harm that it's like, all right, you're 15. <laughs> like, you know, uh, hopefully you get better. It's good that you're doing it. But, like, locking people out of their cars because you think that they're uh, a, a burglar, probably you could ease up on the trigger a little bit on that. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I love the scene with him and – um. Him and uh, uh, Lando, uh, what's his face? Oh, Donald Glover. Uh, yeah, Glover. Uh, where where he he webs him to the the back of his trunk. <laughs> He's like, that'll go away in like two hours. He's like, no, you're cutting me out now. Nope, you're a criminal. You're a criminal. You deserve it. <laughs> it was really good. So he played the character of Aaron Davis. His character is supposed to be the uncle, the nephew he refers to in the movie. He's supposed to be uh, Miles, Miles Morales. So that's interesting because. For a long time, while well, things were sort of held up in limbo in terms of what was what was Sony going to do next with the property, and everybody was begging for a Miles Morales uh, take, yeah. and everybody said, hey, Donald Glover, Donald Glover, that's the guy, that's the guy, that's the guy. Well, now we're kind of too far in. Donald's moved on. He's older. He's doing other stuff and doesn't quite have, you know, doesn't quite fit the role anymore. So instead, they're creating, they're planting some potential seeds here, and those seeds are interesting because he's also the, the 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 uncle of Miles Morales turns out to be a pretty gnarly villain at some point. And I yeah. and I don't know the exact way that story pans out, but you know, there's something there maybe. So they made lots of little references like that, lots of little, you know, pokes here and there in other parts of Spider-Man lore. This movie somehow managed to seem like a one villain movie despite the fact that they had cameos and or origins for multiple villains happening all kind of at the same time but it was clearly about the vulture and yeah. his whole thing. And also last thing I would say about what I loved about that. Some of that stuff was that two of the coolest actors working today in television, 
Uh, let's see what are their names. I gotta get their names right. Bokeem Woodbine, who played Herman Schultz or the Shocker Number Two, yeah. African American guy, bald guy. He was in. He stole the show in Fargo season two. He was incredible in that. He was a hitman with an oh, afro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's great. So good. And then you got the other guy whose name I don't see here, but he was in Better Call Saul this season. He was uh, like Salamanca's lieutenant guy uh, for the uh, for Better Call Saul two or season two, and he was incredible. So seeing these guys get these cool roles, and in some cases maybe have some potential future stuff in store for them, is super exciting. Like I love the casting. Tyne Daly's character is really interesting. Oh. And you're not even you're not even calling out the coolest uh, uh, to me, the coolest people. I thought that when you were going to name out two people that just had great uh, little cameos, uh, uh, Hannibal Burris yeah. as as the coach. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, he calls Captain America a war criminal <laughs> before playing <laughs> the video is just uh, just great. And uh, uh, of course, uh, homeboy from Party Down in Silicon Valley, whose name? Oh, Mike Starr. Yeah. I always yeah. I always forget and and it's funny that Mike Starr's in this cuz he also he was Bill in Freaks and Geeks. Geeks, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff just felt it didn't feel forced, it all felt pretty right to me. Kind of uh Aunt May didn't get a lot of screen time, but it felt like probably enough, you know? Yeah, I mean it's not the story doesn't involve her. And to be fair, I was very excited that we had we got through a spider-man movie without having his family in jeopardy mm -hmm. you know i mm -hmm. think it's gonna make it mean more when it happens because it eventually yeah. will happen sure right mortal danger sure but what i liked about this movie is kind of the opposite of what you're saying but it kind of equals the same thing well let me, let me try to explain they were never like the victim or the target of some horrible thing yeah his family but because we're still in this, she doesn't know what I'm up to. I'm doing all these things and I'm kind of lying to her. And our relationship depends so much on trust and communication and openness that he's lying to her. And it may be for the greater good, but he's still doing it. That stuff worked really well for me in a this. You're putting the family in jeopardy just by the sheer fact that you're Spider-Man. The same with your girlfriend, the same with your friends at school, the same with you wanting to go to homecoming, but you can't because there's big blue explosions happening over there by a bridge someplace like that yeah. stuff really rang true, not just hollow tropey, but true. And that's to me, the secret sauce of this movie is that there's a truthfulness to that stuff that normally comes off as fake and pandering and plot devicey and, quite frankly, over, you know, overdone and overdone and overdone too many times. Can we also say this in terms of the authenticity of the high school story that not once but twice we see consternation from Peter Parker because he's pulled away for, uh, to do other stuff because one of the greatest hormonal uh, uh, challenges that you face in your teenage years, everyone's going to the pool. Are you coming? <laughs> Like, there's no teenager ever that does not agonize over everybody's going to the pool, are you coming? It is It is just every facet of I'm uncomfortable with my body and I have acne. Now, all these people look perfect, right? Because it's it's, it's a Hollywood movie. But still, sure, sure. that conflict rings true. And, and, and not only do we uh, have him uh, uh, not getting to the uh, the, the, the party, pool scene but also at the academic decathlon 
And also, let me say this. How awesome is it that everyone's a nerd? There's no judge. <laughs> like, the Flash is also on the academic decathlon. This is not a jocks versus nerd kind of thing. It's a nerd. This is all nerd on nerd crime. Yeah, and it almost made him worse, that, that Flash kid. Uh, he's not, by the way, people, we're not talking about Flash like the hero Flash. That's a whole different comics universe. But this kid's name is Flash. He's this, uh, looks Indian maybe, and he is a turd. Just a freaking yeah. turd the entire you time. Know where he was from, right? Uh-uh. No. What's he from? Uh, uh, the uh, Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. Tony Revolori. Hold on. That's where... He's the kid in that. Yeah. Or was a kid in that. He's a little... Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's the lobby boy. Yeah. He's from... Uh, he's Get from... your hands off my lobby boy. <laughs> yeah. No. He's He's got some stuff going on. Um, But he, he was just a straight up dick and i hated him but for all the right reasons like all that stuff felt real to me and oftentimes i mean think about it when you're in your peer groups in school it isn't just the jocks it's not like all day jocks are picking on nerds or all day stoners are picking on whatever that isn't how it works you're in your own cliques and it's within those cliques that the drama starts and that's where it starts and ends here as these people are dealing with their own conflicts with their own nerd group and it allows you to kind of even in this like you never sympathize for flash but you can understand where it comes from there's not really any full black and white characters and that's why i think the villain work here is is so 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 well written because if there's one thing that marvel movies kind of have a tendency to do is that the villains aren't the story the heroes are the story so clear everything out and let let the let the heroes do their thing and that oftentimes means just black and white like like it's either i'm just an evil guy and i'm gonna destroy the world or it's the the world is sick and you must kill it before it is remade, right? <laughs> like it's one of those high-minded meta kind of things. Yeah. And here, the vulture, I think, is a very sympathetic person, as far as villains go. Yeah. And even Flash, it's like, look, if you were super smart, and otherwise you would be the smartest kid on the academic decathlon, except there's this flighty kid who sometimes is there and sometimes is it, and he's leaving. Like Flash thinks that Peter Parker is arrogant and he's taking him down a peg because just commit to the team, like stop showing up and knowing everything and then just screwing off and bragging about your internship with, uh, with, with Tony Stark. And that to me, again, talk about the authenticity of the high school experience. How many times, especially for smart people, do you realize later in life you're like, Oh wait, yeah, that guy was a dick to me because he thought I was being a dick to him. And when I look at the math and review, I was probably being a little bit of a dick to him. I thought I was being a dick to him because he was a dick. <laughs> yeah, no, well said. So, all right, a couple things changed, though, for Spider-Man, and I want to throw these yeah. out and we can talk about them. Go. Uh, oh, wait, you know what? Before we do, let's take a call. We got a call here from, whoops, I moved him in the wrong place. There we are. Hi, you're on the air. Who is this? Hello, whoops. Hello, are you there? Oh, Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Hello. hi, who's this? It's uh, Anthony again. Well, well, hello, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing well yourself. Oh, it's fantastic. I couldn't be better. Uh, what's uh, what's your thinking? What's your thoughts on this movie? I just I just had to talk about the whole fact that um, uh, Peter's friend hacked the suit. Yeah. And the suit was made by Stark Industries people, or or uh, or Tony himself. And I'm just like, how can a high school kid? that probably doesn't have a lot of hacking experience, managed to hack the spider suit. Well, he seemed pretty hacky. Like, he was getting into, like, some Linux code and 
I, I actually felt okay about that because when they were showing that code, it looked like, you know, somebody was really dinking around with like scripts and stuff that you might see running in some sort of, you know, root environment. And I, I kind of bought into that Ma mainly because all he really hacked though, was he turned off the kid mode. Cause yeah, you yeah, saw it was there, figured out a way to comment it out, get it out of there. And then bam, the suit could run with full functionality with, by yeah, the way, I Jennifer Connelly is the voice of the suit, which I don't know if a lot of people knew that, but that's who that yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it was funny though. When, when he goes to, uh, to drop in on the guys that were waiting in the van outside the gas station. And it was like, a we lost you. You there still? Sorry, yes. go ahead. Say it again. No, I was saying that I found it funny when he was at the gas station. Yeah. Um, you know, eavesdropping on the people in the van, and uh, the the suit was like, "Oh, would you like to turn on instant kill?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, please, no, no, yeah. no." Yeah, that stuff was great. I thought the suit was the suit was super cool. So, Justin, you were about to say. Yeah, uh, that that didn't bother me. Uh, he's supposed to be the, one of the smartest kids at a science uh, a specific high school, and. I would say, you know, aside from people who have made their living in infosec, like a lot of times the the, the real foundational kind of elements of, of a lot of those, like you have to master it in your room kind of skills are done uh, when you're in your teenage years, you know, mm -hmm. like that's that's when you learn it. That's when you're testing your boundaries. So that didn't that didn't bother me all that much. Yeah. How do you feel about him not having spidey sense? At the very least, they didn't uh, allude to it if it's they didn't outright say he doesn't have it. But like, that's a that's a thing. You know, it's in the comics. It's a deal. You would usually expect your Spider-Man to have these weird heightened sense senses uh, thing, part of his powers. And they didn't really do that. In fact, they kind of just said, what if his suit did all of the sensing for, you know, what if it was smart and did. And I'm and I'm fine with this personally, but I'm curious if you think that's a problem when they kind of retcon that stuff out. To be honest, I until you just said it right now, I hadn't thought of it, which means I guess it means I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I I was fine with them getting literally everything else right. Uh, that that it wasn't something that I feel. I mean, and also it's like if you're gonna take away one thing away from Spider-Man, then the spider sense is fine. You know, like it, it was always kind of a a weird sort of uh, understanding of like, oh, well, why does he dodge everything? Right. Well, because spider sense. And it's like, well, how about he's a movie character? They always <laughs> dodge everything. <laughs> like, you don't need to really spell it out, right? Yeah, it's never been that great of an ability anyway. It was always sort of annoyed me in the comics. So I've actually, you know, it actually didn't, it left me going, oh, okay, well, I guess they're just not going to do that. And it didn't really bother me that much. So here's another thing that changed. Um... So elect or, uh, mechanical web shooters has always been the, the way of Spider-Man in the comics. Yes. Every once in a while, somebody exactly. dabbles with, hey, what if they were organic? And stupid. yeah, always a stupid thing. It's a stupid idea. It was a stupid idea then. Stupid idea now. Yeah. Mechanic web shooters are dumb. You don't like the mechanic. You want him coming right out of his arm there. Is that, is that what you want? No, 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 no. No, mechanical, mechanical, always mechanical. And he invented. Oh, the gotcha. Form. OK. All right. Yeah. All right. Me too. I would prefer that as well. Um. Right. It just it just, it says so much about him, and it says so much about kind of him why he's the canonical Marvel guy. Yeah. You know? Now, how do you like this? Here's a fun fact: we talked about this on TMS on Monday. I didn't know it until uh, Stephen brought it up. But the actor who plays Jarvis can't think of his name. Uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, uh, who played Jarvis, the voice of the suit for Tony Stark, and now now as a physical realized version of that character as the uh, that. It's 
uh, Vision, yeah. He's married to Jennifer Connelly, who is the voice of... Oh, that's so funny. Isn't that I great? I think that's super great. Those two got to be husband and wife suit voices, which is kind of awesome. So that was just a little fun fact I did not know until Monday. Also, I didn't know until Monday that Tyne Daly's character, who she played Anne-Marie Hogue, she's in charge of a special group that works directly with the Avengers and the government called yeah. Damage Control. Yeah. And there is apparently, I didn't know this either, an entire comic series called Damage Control. And there is a series in development, although no, I don't know where the status is or something, but something for CBS called Damage Control, where it's yeah. about these people with no powers. Their entire job is to just sweep in after a major thing happens, a big event, and clean up after whatever happened. So New York for the Avengers fight, uh, you know, other stuff. I guess it's uh, uh, Kingpin and um kingpin and tony stark have kind of some deal going where their uh, their parts of new york are at least in the comics anyway are 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 jointly they're, they're paying for this thing to have to be in existence and then that's what damage control does i am beyond excited slash curious about what a serialized version of that could be i realize it's not about spider-man but i love the idea of of an organization whose job it is to not fly around, to not have stuff shoot out of their eyes. None of that. Their job is to just go say, all right, well, there was this big fight and Black Panther left a huge mess and we got to go in and take care of it. And all the complications that come from that, that's a fascinating idea. So and I don't think we're going to see this show. Uh, it looks like it was green lit in 2015. Yeah. So uh, I think it probably has kind of come and gone. Probably. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a television show, but... I was aware that there was a comic series, and apparently, uh, according to Brian Brushwood, uh, it it is, in the comics at least, kind of staffed by a lot of the kind of guys that are in Vulture's mm. crew. Yeah. You know, like schlubby sort of union dudes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas here, it's a much more kind of a, a, a buttoned-up operation with, you know, correctly tagged warehouses and whatnot. So you, earlier you'd said, um, and I agreed with you, that Vulture is the best MCU villain right now. Yes. First of all, what do you think makes him that? And second of all, uh, what does that, I mean, what bar does that raise? Like, what do we have to get out of things like Thanos and whatever as they get coming? Because because that's going to be a problem. If, if Vulture is just outshining everybody, then what's the, you know, it's going to be hard. Well, you know, I think number one, Michael Keaton is Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's one of the best American actors of all time. He can play drama as well as he can comedy. He's instantly relatable and likable. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. There's really not anything about him that isn't amazing. Uh, but also, he's not one-dimensional. Like, at, at the end of the day, you know, part of what makes that that ride to, to homecoming scene so good is that it ends with this great moment for the character of, of the vulture and a fork in the road for Spider-Man that he's like, Hey, look, I'm the vulture. I'm Michael Keaton. Yeah. I figured out your Spider-Man. Right. You saved my daughter in another world. I would be thanking you more than anybody that I've ever thanked in my entire life. Unfortunately, we're also in this weird thing where you're coming after my business. So I'm just going to say right now, Capo to Capo, back off, do whatever else you want, be a part of the Avengers, 
but don't mess with my business. Like, <laughs> or else, I'll, or else, or else, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's great. How many other times do you see that in in a Marvel villain? No. That, that like that that they want to like say like they they have that nuance of like, ah, man, we're in a pickle here, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, okay, so. How about we do this? Like normally, that's the sign of weakness, and and the Marvel or the Marvel heroes are so gung ho and they're so powerful mm-hmm. that you can just run them over. Yeah, and he's uh, he's just like a he's a he's a working man. He's a blue collar dude. Everything in that garage looks like it's got grease and dirt on it. Like it's not. This isn't some secret lair of some ultra rich, you know, whatever. Even though you know, making a big hover vulture suit thing is is no small feat. But I bought into it, even though they approached it from this kind of nitty gritty taxi driver kind of level thinking. And even the one guy he murdered on his crew, he didn't mean to murder him. He thought he was getting the anti-grav gun or whatever. So even then, they kind of took the edge off of that and went, oh, well, that was like an accidental death. And he's, but he's still pretty serious about this. Doesn't seem too upset about it, but also he's running a criminal syndicate. So, you know, you can't exactly just start crying. No, but there's something about that that made me, I don't know, not, not commiserate with him or, or, or have a bunch of sympathy or anything. He's not a sociopath. Right, right. He's not just a murderer who likes murdering and doesn't have any value on life and death. You know, dig this, you know, at the very beginning, when they're cleaning up that site, he has the picture that his kid drew of the Avengers, mm-hmm. which is the daughter that we that eventually kind of has a crush on Spider-Man, which kind of ties everything back to, again, this idea that these are kids. Mm-hmm. These are kids doing kid things. And one of her first crushes when she's 15, because she always loved the Avengers, is a crush on Spider-Man, mm-hmm. right? And this is a very coming-of-age you know, kind of relatable thing for this, this this daughter. And that's totally in the background. That's totally in the subtext that's there to be found, but it's not hammered in. It's not like she's telling her girlfriends at high school, like, I love the Avengers. Like, and now I love Spider-Man. <laughs> right. No, they played that stuff really, really truthfully. And also just the scene in the car, which I know we keep going back to. Um, part of what makes it so great is that they've done such a good job of establishing this isn't just some 25-year-old Spider-Man. This is a kid. He's a minor. And all those things that come with being a 15-year-old minor. You're immature. You don't understand quite what's going on yet. You're awkward. You're already in the situation where you're with your date's dad who's confident and smart and up there talking and, and doing dad things. And that's scary when you're 15. That's scary as yeah. shit. And then he turns around and says, does she know? And it dawns on him, oh, crap, he knows who I am. Yeah. Now it's sinister. It's to the point of like, I know you're 15, but at this point, because I know what you're capable of, I don't care. I'm going to yeah. stop you from doing whatever you do, and I'm only letting you go tonight and not killing you because my daughter likes it. Like, there's something about that that just got really real and serious. Yeah. In, in all the good ways. And not just, ah, so you found out it was me, see? That whole th- yeah. that whole thing just played, it's, it's the same thing that we've seen a billion times, but done totally right. Yeah. And I couldn't have predicted that. I didn't predict any of that. And that made the rest of that movie from then on, I already liked it up to that point, but from then on, it, I went, oh, okay, this is this is actually more than just 
gee, I hope we can save. I hope we can salvage the franchise, Sony. I hope we can do a good job with this. I hope it's yeah. okay and everyone likes it, kind of Ant Man style. Nope, it's way bigger than that. At least that's felt to me. So, okay, hold on. Curtis Larock in in the chat room says uh, he's definitely a sociopath if he's not that bothered by accidentally killing somebody. Just because he doesn't get off on murder doesn't make him less of a sociopath. I'm not saying that the, the vulture's a good guy, but I I do think that there is more nuance here in that a. Uh, Tombs knows what kind of guy that dude is, yep. you know, and yep. also he's threatening to murder him uh, uh, and take over his his criminal arms dealing syndicate. So there is a little bit of alpha male to alpha male who runs the pack kind of stuff going on there. Right. Number two, he does accidentally kill him. And no, he doesn't start weeping and crying. But again, he's the strong man of a criminal syndicate. Like what? <laughs> what? I mean, like, what is the appropriate emotion? Let's say he was racked inside that he killed somebody. Like, what is he supposed to do? What What is in, in the grand scheme of the cinematic language of the most humanized gangsters we've ever seen? When you accidentally kill somebody, the nicest thing they do is send money to the family or something like that. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and for all we know, he does that or 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 we know that that guy's like, hey, look, he beat his wife and he's a scumbag and he punches his kid. And so, he, you know, he, he tests me. It accidentally went south. But we all know what kind of business we're in. We could all die tomorrow. We're, we're doing illegal things. We try to stay, you know, under the under the radar. Also, how awesome is it that their entire operation isn't these brazen, uh, uh, you know, these brazen uh, heists, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, he's a vulture. He just picks from the bones. Yep, totally. Goes, flies in, grabs the stuff. Nobody knows. Flies out. Yeah, he's That's still he's still doing salvage, basically. Like it's still a salvage operation. It's just the legality has become dubious to obviously illegal, but it's still the same kind of thing. Like literally, like, he's not just because he's got wings and a big vulture head and a, a kind of fluffy uh, coat underneath that makes him the vulture. What makes him the vulture is he does vulture things. Yeah. Yeah. He just picks from the bones. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. Ah, I don't know why I didn't. Exp you know what I thought the weak part would be. Dragging yeah. Keaton out and making him be the vulture. Because in my head, I'm like, ah, you've been Batman, you've been Birdman. What, what are we doing now? Are we doing another man with bird? Another bird how type man? You? How dare you? How dare you doubt the Keaton? The I Keaton don't <laughs> not be stopped. I agree. No I mean, like movies like even that Robocop reboot, which I liked, I had to have a serious coming to Jesus moment with why I liked it. And I think I came away liking it because Michael Keaton's in it. He was always there for you. And for yeah. whatever reason, Hollywood denied us like a decade and a half of Keaton for some reason. I don't know what that was. Was it just over? We were we were too Tim Burton Keatoned out or we what was the deal? I don't know. It was a mistake. We screwed up. I, I don't know. There's some rumors that like, you know, he, he politically crossed the wrong wires or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. Uh, the first time that I remember seeing him. uh Seeing him uh, back was was the other guys that movie with uh, Will Ferrell and and Marky Mark the comedy, oh uh, right yeah and, and he was hilarious in that and and he's kind of had this amazing career resurgence since then I'm so glad he didn't die I'm I'm glad that that, that there's the possibility that we're gonna see more uh more Michael Keaton in in this universe uh, and also let me just say this because I thought she was fantastic and I don't want to go this episode without pointing out that uh. I don't know how to say her name. Uh, Zendaya? Zendaya? Oh, Zendaya, the the new MJ, because her initials are MJ. I don't know if you noticed that. Just great. Yeah. Just great. And I think there's so much 
that 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 you know that you can go that that kind of witty repartee between Tom Holland and her. The fact that you always you kind of got the sense in the movie that like uh, she knows mm-hmm. she's smart enough. Mm-hmm. She knows she's just hanging in the background. Like she's probably following when 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 Peter doesn't think anybody's following him. She's probably peeking around a an edge there and and confirming her theory. Uh, I'm I'm so 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 down with her and where they can go. Yeah, I am too. She's great. I mean, her name in the show is Michelle, so it's not Mary Jane. But it, there's the MJ references not lost on me. Yeah, Kevin Feig said she's MJ. She's not Mary Jane. Um, so. Uh, oh, are you getting this call too? Like I am. I'm gonna. Hang yeah. Okay. Looks like we're we're gonna have to wrap it up. Yeah, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Only last thing I would say is uh, uh, real quick here. Um, uh, uh, I don't understand how Gwyneth Paltrow gets second billing. That's just something I want to throw out there. How'd you go Tom Holland, then Gwyneth That's Paltrow? That's IMDb. Stop it. No, I'm saying in the movie, in the credits, I noticed it. It said Tom Holland while they're doing the little thing at the end. And then right after that, Gwyneth Paltrow, and then a hundred other names. And then finally, uh, uh, everyone else gets their, you know, all these other actors who should have been first. I'm telling you, she's got some kind of weird deal. They won't, she won't do it unless they let her be second. I don't know what that was about, but, but next time you see either, the movie. It was either that or she was going to write in that Pepper Potts sold Goop products. <laughs> <laughs> nice all right we got to get out of here we're, we're going to be on a thing here shortly so uh we'll uh we'll wrap it up uh big thanks everybody for listening if you uh had any further thoughts about what happened in spider-man homecoming you can certainly email them to us hotline monday at gmail.com and find us at hotline monday on twitter justin R. young on twitter find me at scott johnson is going to do it for us for this week justin anything to add no. ActionNews.com, ActionNews.com, or ActionNewsGame.com, ActionNewsGame.com, ActionNewsGame.com. Say it three times over and you'll never forget it. That's it, ActionNewsGame.com. We'll see you guys next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>